Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answers to. I'm Sean. And I'm Vib, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Before we get to the episode, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated tinfoil award. Now, as a reminder, this is an award that we give out at the start of each episode to the person who had the most ridiculous point in last week's episode. Now, this one was a doozy, because it was a hot take. It was a hot take of me trying to convince you and the world <laughs> that Lara Wraith the Vampire is a good person. Um, yet somehow you managed to come through I, and yeah. win the tinfoil. <laughs> yeah, it's not ideal really, but we sort of pointed out to ourselves that the person who said a few episodes ago, no, I'm not saying Grindelwald had a point, but, but. then... <laughs> In last episode, saying I try to model my life and everything I do on the actions of Michael Carpenter. Yes, like yes, <laughs> Michael Carpenter and and Gellert Grindelwald, I'm sure, would uh, be on the same page. They'd get on really well together, wouldn't they? <laughs> no, the so, great, so the well good versus all lives matter. Yeah. yeah, so 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 well done for somehow managing to snatch tinfoil away from all the ridiculous things I said last week, and they were they were many. They were many. They were many indeed. But let's not dwell on that. Uh, we've got a couple of pieces of feedback that are probably worth spending a couple of minutes on before we uh, jump into the meat of the episode. Absolutely. Feedback's always great. Let's uh, let's hear it. So, I don't know if you've, you've heard this. I've had a couple of people message me to say on our ranking <laughs> of the Star Wars episodes, that they haven't actually managed to finish the episode because my list was so egregious. Yeah, the most notable one was the guy who said, I got to 6 minutes 51 seconds and I had to stop. <laughs> I, he, I think there was a, a suggestion that he might have stopped listening entirely. Uh, so if, that is, <laughs> if that's you, thanks for sticking with us, but... I feel this is a plea to everyone. Go and listen to the remaining 54 minutes of that episode because it's essentially just Vib yelling at me nonstop. And quite, <laughs> quite. And like it's and the, the funny thing is, this this wasn't Sean being like, ah, oh, funny, I'm gonna troll people with you know my crazy list. He actually believes this, and so I actually get angry. And it's hilarious. <laughs> um I, I, I wish I could say I've changed his mind, but you know, some people what? are just set in their ways, you know. What I will say, and obviously that's not what this episode is about, is I was making a point by having a certain episode as the top of my list. If I was being completely serious, it's probably second on my list. But yes, no, I do genuinely believe that it's that good. Um, I mean, you you know it's bad when people take offense, you know, are offended by your choice of top one and my top two was absolutely fine <laughs> yeah no one's that's what i don't understand no one has come to me and said what is vibs what has vib been smoking those two episodes those two films aren't even star wars films so yeah no, it's great <laughs> that's just that's how bad your choice is but, but but be encouraged i do tell him off and you should just listen to the episode because it's a really fun episode it is, it is really really fun and uh it's worth listening to and who knows? I might change your mind. I won't change your mind. I mean, you won't. You won't change anyone's mind. But that's fine. Uh, just very <laughs> quickly, uh, also on our uh, episode about the uh, Harry Potter Wizarding World, why that, why they hide. Uh, there was a good discussion 
on the Harry Potter subreddit. Go check them out. They're, they've got some great. Uh, it's mostly quite. It's mostly meme heavy that subreddit, but the the memes are memes are strong. They are strong memes. Yeah, very strong memes. But no, I had a good conversation with a user. I'm going to butcher this name, and I apologise. Anton Brackage. 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 Um, <laughs> who pointed out, I think not unfairly, that ultimately. The wizarding world is just sort of doomed. It's they're, they're stumbling towards a whole number of impending apocalypses, including but not limited to the failure of the international international statute of secrecy. And when any one of these hits, uh, they'll spill out into the non-magical world as well, with almost certainly lethal consequences. The example that he gave was, "What do you do if Dementors start breeding?" at any sort of rate because we've got no evidence that Dementors can be killed from the text and so we're going to end up in a position where they just sort of turn into a grey goo and take over the world yeah no, it's quite a, scary it's a fair, it is quite scary it's a, it's a, it's a fair concern um, I, I think there's something there on how wizards are not in fact hiding but sort of represent the the last defence against the apocalypse for, for muggles and everyone else. I don't know if there we was a, make this work. If there was an invisible soul-sucking menace out there, I'd maybe want to know. Well, maybe there Would is. Maybe know? maybe they are out there, and the reason we don't know is because wizards um, protect us. You maybe. Know, just saying. Maybe. Seems unlikely. It does seem unlikely. I feel I would but... know about it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just cause... No, so, uh, yeah, as ever, thanks for the feedback. Uh, keep it Absolutely. coming. Absolutely, keep it coming. Any and all feedback is welcome. Uh, <laughs> weirdly, this time around, it was us giving you feedback that, you know, our content is, in fact, all right. And you, you should <laughs> just take our word for it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new take on feedback. Anyway, what are we up to today? What are we talking about? Well, today, um, I thought we could... Do a little have a little bit of a discussion about the gods of chaos from the Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer 40k universes. Now, we touched on these guys uh, earlier in our uh, podcast, way back in episode three, I think, when we we ran through the timeline of the, the Warhammer uh, yes, Fantasy our, universe our, our, in 15 minutes. Yes, our fabled 15 minute history lesson, <laughs> an hour plus. <laughs> And we didn't get anything anything done in terms of history. <laughs> yeah, I think we we uh, covered ourselves in glory. I think there'll be a few one. follow-up parts to to you know to that to get through all the content. <laughs> so maybe maybe this is this is the first of those then uh, a primer on the chaos gods, but particularly with the uh, pending launch of uh, Total War Warhammer Three, which promises to focus quite heavily on the four gods of chaos and their followers. Indeed, I thought yeah. it was worth us, you know, giving our poor listeners who might not have any clue at all what Games Workshop is or Creative Assembly are putting out, just enough knowledge to make a fool of themselves on the internet, which is what we specialize in here at Expertise is Overrated. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're going to be learning this stuff from me, and I'm uh, obviously an expert when it comes to the chaos gods, 100% aware of all the lore. 
<laughs> so people people will be, as you say, fully armed to go out there and have a proper keyboard sparring match. Absolutely. So let's start then. If you're the you're the expert, you've quite firmly placed yourself in in that chair. How many chaos gods are there, and what are their names? Well, the thing is, so you've already made a key mistake, and this is where I can tell that you've not read the uh, source material. Um, you said there are four chaos gods. Now, okay. I, I think your your run of the mill games work uh, games workshop enjoyer would possibly argue that there's five. Um, but of course, the real experts would tell you that there's only three. Right. Now, why don't, why don't you tell me who the who who you think the four chaos gods are before you boil over with anger? I'm not sure how you flip this one <laughs> on me, but uh, okay. Um, obviously, the four chaos gods are Corn, Zinch, Nurgle, and Slanesh. Yes, as as I think most people would probably agree with you, but you know those people just don't pay enough attention. And then the fifth one. There, there are rumors throughout the uh, Black Library books and uh, the lore in general of a fifth, potentially a fifth chaos god, Malice. Yes, absolutely. So, so, who's not a chaos god? Who's who are you getting a knock on the door from in about ten minutes to <laughs> kick your ass? <laughs> See now, uh, my guess is you want me to say Slanesh, right? I, I am expecting you to say and I kind of want you to explain why that is in a minute but the obvious answer to the person or you know the god who is not a god of chaos in fact no, is you quite know what you're going to say it's Nurgle yeah I knew that I all of a sudden realised where you were going he is, he is a god of life I mean not the sort of life that I necessarily want you know in mine but life nonetheless and we should honour that you know I think I think you right. know the, the poor the poor guy just. He's gets... not a god of life. He's a god of entropy. Yeah, which which is an, a fundamental part of life, if not the most fundamental part of life. Just because it it's not the life that you like, you know, you can't just. I mean, I can. Okay. I mean, oh I god, you, I can't believe we're going to have to do, we're going to have to do this. <laughs> what is it that you you assert sets Nurgle apart from? Corn, Zinch, and Slanesh, then. Sure, Don't say because he, he's, he's a god of life, because so a, is Slanesh, and so he's is Zinch. A he's a creator, you know? He's so a, is Zinch. Ah, no, not in the same way. Oh, okay. I mean, they're all they're all creators. That's what demons are. They're just they, things that they created. Damn it, you had to undermine me less than ten minutes in. Really? No, you've been oh, undermining no, but... yourself for the last ten minutes. Uh, no, of course, I, I only kid around. Nurgle is is definitely, um, hmm. definitely up there with the other, the other three. Um, sure. I, I thought I'd try a little biology trick on you, but you know. No, I can, I can, I can see what you're saying. He. <sighs> From a certain way of looking at things, maybe he is a little different. But I think the point is, they're all a little different. Like, you can lump all three of the other ones in the same basket, no matter what lens you're looking at them through. Yes, and I think that that's the thing with all of them, 
with with the possible exception of of corn, although I might be doing him a disservice, I just feel he's he's a bit, you know, he's a bit too linear. You know, like oh, I'm angry. Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> um, the, the the other three do have there's there's nuances to them, right? And and I think the way that they behave kind of manifests differently, perhaps. So I wonder, you're 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 right, but I wonder if if we've already jumped too far into the deep end for some of our. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think you're absolutely listeners right. Listeners who don't should, know what we're on about. We should, we should row back. So who are Korn, Zinch, Nurgle, and Slanesh? Okay, so at their simplest, I think you, you would say that each of the four embodies a core, probably quite destructive impulse of the human condition. And it is those emotions that give rise to these four beings who live in a uh, reality adjacent to ours or that of the Warhammer fantasy or Warhammer 40k universe. To be clear, I don't think I live in a fantasy universe, (laughs) just to be clear. Um, I sometimes uh, think that based on (laughs) the stuff you say sometimes. Quite. But they seek to entrap mortal souls for the furtherance of a power play between the four of them, right? That's what they call the the great game. Yeah, so now, before you you move on into them, each individual, you you definitely said they live in a parallel universe to to the fantasy um, that is to say, the Warhammer universe. Because I mean, the, these four guys, we should be upfront, exist in both Warhammer fantasy as well as they uh, do forty k, and they, they seem, to all intents and purposes, to be the same gods. Um, With uh, one complicated exception, yes, yes, which which we which we will get to. Um, so, are they genuinely present? Would it be somehow possible to interact with these? Yes, yes, there are characters in both Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer Forty K who do so. Uh, and is that in a confirmed physical way, rather than uh, "this is all happening in my head" type thing? Uh, I think that might very hard to, to actually get. I think that mind. might be a Dumbledore ask. Of course, this is happening in your head, but why does that mean it's not real? So we, we know that Malekith, for example, so the ruler of the Dark Elves in the Warhammer Fantasy universe, has travelled to the realm of chaos where these guys live. Hmm. And, like, inter- not, not interacted with them, but, like, been seen by them and seen them and issued them challenge kind of thing. And we know that Archaon, again, from the Warhammer Fantasy universe, the sort of... Um, chosen one of chaos does the same, right? He has, is Slanesh appears to Archaon, for example, and I think the same is true, not Slanesh, but I think Horus in the Warhammer 40k universe is in the same boat. I think he has interacted directly with them. Mm. So they're more personified. Yeah, sorry. You, you yeah. I was going to say they're more personified than my description might have made apparent. 
they they have emotions beyond the ones that they exemplify for example yes yeah and, and this is this is uh, kind of interesting right and and of course we should be upfront about the fact that this is all based on games workshop and black library law yes with all the will in the world is a hot mess at best <laughs> yes and i should i should also be clear a lot of what a lot of my understanding of this is based on i think 8th 7th or 8th edition Warhammer Fantasy onwards um, so anything that came before that I'm not entirely up to speed on and I'm not entirely up to speed on Age of Sigmar the newest incarnation either but I think yeah. I think I can do that justice and then obviously Warhammer 40k is just a hot mess uh, but I think again I can I can meander my way through that I do which, which, is, which is good, because uh, as is tradition on expertise is overrated, I know I mean, obviously everything about this. Clearly. But I, do, I, do have a, <laughs> I do have an Age of Sigmar source book, but it's in the other room, and I decided I didn't need it. Um. Yes, yeah, the Age of Sigmar to me is, is one that I, I don't know a huge amount about, and it's because I'm still making my way through the end times. Ah. Slowly, and so, maybe not to so be, surely. To be fair, in the end times, you get some quite good chaos god stuff uh, yeah they, but they, i'm they really worried that they're here i'm worried they're just going to retcon it all you know because they're reviving fantasy and i don't i don't, yeah, I don't rolling, know how they're going to do that <laughs> they're rolling that to pre-end times it's like 150 years before the end times yeah exactly and and yeah what they're reviving so it doesn't really matter anyway <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's that's probably the. But black. the uh, right, I guess so. the key question I had for you is: is do we ever see them? So obviously, yeah, you know, people interact with them. Uh, I'm guessing no one's stupid enough to try and fight one directly. Well, well, there is actually, and this is quite interesting. Uh, so, the legendary lord that Creative Assembly announced for the Corn faction, Scarbrand, is, as far as I'm aware, the only being that's ever tried to take a chunk out of Corn. He failed quite badly, obviously. Um, yeah, and this is one of the most badass, uh, exalted bloodthirsters you'll ever meet. Sure. So, so Corn is, uh, for our benefit of our listeners, Corn is the blood god. So the god of war, fury, uh, and well, blood and skulls, skulls for the skull. Uh, yeah, throne. skulls for the skull throne. Exactly, the blood god. Yeah. You know. Milk for the cornflakes, as everyone is so fond Absolutely. of saying. Absolutely. <laughs> but so, yes, corn is, to the extent that these terms still have any meaning, the single most powerful entity in this or any universe. Right? He is the mightiest of the chaos gods. <laughs> That's confirmed. That, at least he was in 8th edition Warhammer Fantasy. Yes, and I yeah, yeah. haven't seen anything to suggest that that is no longer the case. One of our favorite words on this podcast, powerful, and yes. you know, having power ranking relative to others. <laughs> who knows what that means? But what we do know is Scarbrand, who was at one point the strongest of his servants, tried to uh, essentially unseat him, usurp him, and... Corn sort of didn't notice for a while and then threw him out a window so hard he burst into flames and lost his wings. Yeah, I mean, that's... Well, you might argue gravity did most of the hard work there, but yeah. 
It's, it, it's implied that Corn <laughs> threw him really, really hard. So hard that he couldn't fly out of the fault. But yes, you're right. I mean, that is that is pretty, you know, having seen the images of, of Scarbrand. Yes. That's, that's quite something. I, I'm just picturing this sort of cartoonish flick of the finger, you know, just to yeah, I poke think him out. Is, <laughs> I think it is. That. I think, I think it, 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 in what I read, this might have been from the Storm of Chaos book, I think. Scarbrand managed to, with the, 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 the strongest swing of an axe that has ever or will ever be, take a, make a tiny dent in Korn's armour. <laughs> so, yeah, but this brings yeah. me on to an interesting point that I've always struggled with when we talk about these um, these guys in particular. Sure, uh, we'll, we'll probably meander towards some other types of gods that we might find in the Warhammer fantasy universes, mm-hmm. uh, and I've always pictured them as relatively like for like uh, compared to the the peoples that believe in them, right? Uh, you know, I feel the Elven pantheon probably looks somewhat Elvish, uh, but obviously, sure, sure, I see what um, you mean. But you know, more so. Sigmar is the obvious example. Exactly, he's just a really hench dude who's amazing in every way, you know. But he fundamentally still just looks like a guy. Um, whereas I struggle really hard to picture what a corn or a Zinch or a Nurgle or Slanesh would look like. Okay. Because, you know, what are they? Are they seven feet tall? Are they 7,000 feet tall? Do they even have a size that, that's worth talking about? Or are they just, uh, I don't know, is, is it like fighting a planet? Uh, you know, it's really hard for me to, to visualize these guys. So I think, that, I think that's a fair question. Um, we need to come on to Zinch, Nurgle, and Slanesh and deal with their... Ah, no, we don't. See, of... This is the whole trick of the episode. <laughs> We I'm never, never going get to there. Never moving off corn. Um, Zinch is technically running the show. <laughs> we. I think the best answer to that is look at their greater demons. Yeah, right. I f- think you're I'm right, f- probably. I'm fairly sure that the old army books from Warhammer Fantasy implied, if not outright stated, that the gods look like their greater demons taken to an in- utterly insane degree. Yeah, and I, I think that's always kind of how I've probably concluded that in my head. So if we again go back to Korn, you know, his his great demons, the the bloodthirsters, or the exalted bloodthirsters, I suppose. You know, think think Balrogs. Um yes. fiery Balrogs, and then Korn is just that, but times some stupid <laughs> some it, it stupid becomes... number. <laughs> It becomes really hard to picture how one of them could possibly think to usurp him. That's where things start to get complicated. So I wonder yeah, if, yeah. I wonder if, uh, they, their forms are malleable. I suspect, and so there's, but it, it's yeah, if, in their realm they can probably do presumably whatever yeah. they want, and um, and that's where you know the the realm of chaos, the the warp is a realm of pure sort of emotion, and so yeah, they can sort of anyone can appear however they want. In that. And ultimately, it's, like in in their domain, you probably are in some ways inside them. Inside them, yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I was going to say as well. Which, as weird as it sounds, it's just a bad idea. But then you know they're they're not they're not. Um, 
chaos demons because they're smart. So they're chaos demons because you know, exactly they they've got an axe to grind. So anyway, corn, big angry red dude. Big angry about, red dude, uh, like like a bal- Balrog turned to ten thousand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Although Glorfindel could probably still take him. Um, <laughs> how about Zinch? Zinch. So Zinch is the changer of the ways. So god of mutation, magic, and ambition. I think is the best way to describe Zinch. So Zinch is the schemer amongst the the pantheon. Although to a, a greater or lesser extent, they all scheme a little. But Zinch almost schemes because he can't help it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's there's definitely lore that implies that Zinch is so into scheming that he occasionally schemes against himself because he just <laughs> can't help it. He backstabs himself that's, because that's, that's so like core to his his being. Yeah, that's great. I mean, Zinch is always I've I've always found him fascinating. Yeah. For reference, we we say him in relation to all these people, these these so, gods. So I don't, so I don't know if they really them, have any kind of sex. Three of them are regularly referred to as male. So Corn, Zinch, and Nurgle yeah. are regularly referred to as yeah. as male. Zinch, I think, is probably less male than the other two. Corn obviously is the prime alpha male embodiment yeah. of, of rage. And, and Nurgle is consistently referred to as grandfather. Yeah, um, or Papa Nurgle, right? Or Papa Nurgle, exactly. Yeah. Slanesh is... We, we just need to come on to Slanesh. Uh, gender fluid, I think. Yeah, the, which I think fits uh, sort of their, their, their character and their style quite yeah. well. But no, Zinch I've always, I've always liked because I feel... And I, and I hope you'll agree that sort of if you think about Korn, Nurgle, and Slanesh, they are gods who would who would mess with aspects of the involuntary mind or, or sort of the proper emotional mind, the sort of stuff you don't necessarily think about, but that drives you nonetheless. Whereas Zinch always struck me as someone who would just go for your more your cerebral cortex, you know, like he, he targets thought and he targets actual rational thinking and somehow gets to you that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Zinch is, is prime for manipulating and catching scholars, wizards, studious people with a studious mind, right? The search for forbidden knowledge. That's exactly prime it's, it's, Zinch. It's people who almost sort of willingly decide that this is a path they want to follow. As for the other three, it's, it's more sort of just you're a slave to that particular yeah. emotion, well, almost. It's, it's probably not entirely fair, but I've always found him much more elegant than the other three. Shall we well, say? I think there's probably something to that. And then if we if we move over to the 40k universe, I think what's quite telling is if you look... So each of these four gods has a Primarch who falls to them. Yeah. Right? And if you look at the Primarch that falls to Zinch in particular, that is a fall of hubris, I think, more than anything else. And again, it's as you say, it's that search for forbidden knowledge uh, that that really is the undoing of Magnus, Magnus the Red. But again, I think that's linked to the fact that Magnus is regularly painted in a different light from his brothers, right? He's a bit, a bit of a civilization builder, 
a bit of a, a warrior, a bit of a, a mage or, or psyker, but more than any of that, he's a scholar, more so than really any of the others. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. You contrast with, say, Angron, who falls to Corn, who ultimately an incredibly tragic figure, but by the time he falls to Corn, is just a rage machine. Yeah, exactly. And then this is the thing with Corn is that <laughs> that's why I'm saying it's linear. You know, you just they get really angry, <laughs> and that's quite I, literally it. <laughs> I think I think Corn has been simplified. I think in earlier editions, he was much more like a god of battles. So, didn't scorn artillery or ranged weaponry in the way that he appears to more so know. Right, yes, exulting sure, in the joy yeah. of battle and, and, and the rage that flows from that, but it wasn't quite the all-encompassing rage that I think you see now. Yeah, he's definitely much more um, Ares than he is... Athena now, whereas I think you're right earlier on there was a bit more of a yeah an overall appreciation of all things fight mm, mm-hmm. but you know they gave him a, a, a sexy catchphrase and so now that's what he is <laughs> absolutely I think I think he has been simplified if not dumbed down Indeed. Uh, and and just for for looks for Zinch obviously obviously why would, why would <laughs> yeah, this be well, obvious of course <laughs> what else could you possibly look like <laughs> Uh, imagine a like a bird man. So I don't know. I don't know how many of our yeah, listeners are, are familiar with Dungeons and Dragons. But think of something like an Aracocra, but sort of stretched in every direction, and also having arms as well as wings. Yeah, it always struck me as as a sort of influenced by Egyptian. Yes, I think that's fair. Something or others. <laughs> this, this weird sort of bird man. Thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and the stretchy limbs, I think, is... is Very is elongated. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so Papa Nurgle. Papa Nurgle. Nurgle. The plague father, essentially. Yeah, god uh, of... The god of life. <laughs> god of life. Well, you see, I don't think you're... I don't think you're wrong about that, but it's a god of disease, entropy, and despair, I think, is the emotion associated with that, but with with Nurgle, I think much more of inevitability than anything else. Yeah, and I, I think my 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 very small axe that I was grinding very quietly there was more in terms of I think people are a bit reductionist, probably a bit like with corn uh, when it comes to Nurgle. They're like, oh yeah, disease, bad, old things, terrible. You know, these are fundamentally not necessarily bastardizations until we say they are. Um, the same way that anger isn't a bastardization necessarily, and these, these are no, all yeah, things. No, so yeah, I think Nurgle, like with all the others, he just turns it up to a million, and it, it just goes way too far. Um, and it well, is, he, the... he, he's by far the most disturbing. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> I don't know. I think Slanesh would have something to say about that. But yeah, you're yeah, maybe it's disturbing. I, in I, a I, still, way. I still sort of feel Slanesh would be a, a much cleaner kind of disturbing than no, although. Yeah, flashbacks of Fulgrim. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, Nurgle, uh, tell us, tell us so, who, who Nurgle no, is. He, well, as I say, he's a the sort of the, the plague father. His um, big Mother shtick. Winter. I I always thought that that was Mother Summer, but 
that's not this episode. Stop talking about Dresden Files. <laughs> um, I don't have much to say about Nurgle, really. Like he, I've always found him very boring as a Chaos God. He always felt a little bit to me like an afterthought. From a design perspective, I mean. Yeah, no, and this is exactly where I'm coming from as well. You know, they, they just sort of said, oh, you know, disease is quite cool, so we'll just have people, like, burst open and lots of slimy, wriggly, awful things come out, mm. you know, and that'll be good enough. Yeah. Which, I mean, it is, because he is, he is vastly popular, uh, weirdly. And utterly, I, utterly I so. vile, I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so he serves the purpose really well without clearly needing too much... Um, too much of a foundation, I suppose. Or, or not, not a complicated foundation. No. No. And for an Urgle picture, um, like, essentially a massive mound of diseased flesh with a big mouth that's also diseased, full of little pox demons that are also themselves diseased. Like, his, his demons are called the Great Unclean Ones, and that sort of tells you everything you need to know, I think, about Nargle. Yeah, the way I like to think about it in terms of law that, well, I say people are familiar with, I don't actually know if this is true, but think Trubbish or Garbodor from Pokemon. I don't know if it's yeah. I think they're Generation 5. Just, just yeah, piles of... Or even, like, a muck from Gen 1. Or a mu- I think a muck is almost too clean, weirdly, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Like a dirty muck. Like a dirty a muck that's just been in the rubbish bin. <laughs> <laughs> and then just spews, you know, disease at you, which yeah. is just a whole lot of fun. Uh, of yeah. course, Nurgle can be famously defeated with a simple vaccine. True, true. <laughs> uh, poor Papa Nurgle. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I've never, I, I've never been a fan of Nero. I don't know what it is. It's just it, me, of, me of, all, of all the four, he just never has appealed to me, me. Neither. That said, I'm massively looking forward to how to to his mechanics in the upcoming Warhammer Three. As as am I, because it as could am be I. amazing. It could be amazing. And then finally, we have Slanesh. Which is already strange enough to me, because I, I, before I heard anyone say it, I always assumed it was Slanesh. It might well be. There's two A's in there. It could be Slanesh, but... Of course, a name shared with Toad Mages, which is interesting in and of itself. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, the Slan. Oh. Close enough. I, suppose, I wonder if there's yeah. a weird link there that no one's ever spotted, or it's just lazy writing. I think it's just lazy writing. So Slanesh is excess, right? That's that's the the emotion that, that Slanesh embodies. Uh, and oftentimes, particularly in the fandom, this is taken as um, sexual excess. But it's important to note with Slanesh that it's not exclusively that. Excessive pride is a Slaneshi vice. Uh, gluttony, likewise, is a, a very popular Slaneshi Vice, but there, there has to be said there is a there's a fair amount of BDSM adjacent going on in the uh, in the Slanesh camp, <laughs> or indeed just smack bang in just, the middle. Of. It's just full on hentai, you know. Uh, Google Slanesh yeah. at your own it, risk. It really is. It's it, it's, 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 it's know, disturbing. 
no judgment. People can do whatever they want in the comfort of their own homes. But, yeah, it's a bit... But it it comes back to what you were saying about, I guess, Nurgle earlier. Like, there's nothing wrong with enjoying good food, taking pride in one's accomplishments, whatever that might be. What Slanesh jumps on is when that emotion becomes all-encompassing. Right, yeah, but that's that's obviously true of, of all four of them because they don't yes. represent anything alien to um, a person, for for example. But it's 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 when you can get that person to purely be driven by, uh, yeah, by rage, you know, if you fall to corn, or by um, uh, gluttony, as you say, slanesh or mm-hmm. or whatever. So that that is obviously their their mo. And I think that with, with slanesh, that's why it's that's probably why he or she or they has been skewed into the slightly more sexualized realm. It, probably because it, it sells and Games Workshop wisely said, <laughs> we'll take it. Because um, ultimately the others also kind of, they just, you know, they, they drive excess, right? It's just that they're much more specific. Yeah. Uh, again, looking at corn, like you know, that's an excess of rage, and he he just loves that and focuses on that. And mm-hmm. Slanesh is a bit more nuanced, perhaps, or, or picks up essentially the slack. Potentially, just go for yeah. anything. <laughs> but Slanesh is, is is weird in in fantasy. Slanesh is no different from the other three, although constantly referred to as the weakest of the of the four. Which I guess, in sort of mortal terms, doesn't really mean anything because if you get you know, trodden beneath the weakest, I don't know where I'm going with this metaphor, Brachiosaurus in <laughs> history, you're still squished flat. But it's, it's, that's an interesting God, that point, was actually, because, yeah, let's just move <laughs> on from that train wreck. Um, because Lanesh, of the fall, when I'm thinking about the Hammond universe, like he or she is at a, a very, influential representative in the world which I'm not sure you can necessarily say of the other three. I mean Zinch potentially accepted because who really knows. What do you mean by that? I mean Marathi. Very important Mm. political figure. Quite obviously a slave to Slanesh. True. Um, So Slanesh has had you know quite active cards in the game for well most, most of yeah most of the history of the world. No, that's that's very true. But I I guess this a little bit comes on to the Warhammer 40k Slanesh, who is different. Weird, yeah. But it could just be I think this is a little bit borne out in in the lore that elves are particularly susceptible to Slanesh. Hmm. Possibly, yeah. If you think, I, mean, I don't know whether that's a a chicken and egg thing. Marathi is is there, influencing them. So maybe that's driving them towards Slanesh, or if Marathi is able to drive them that way because they have that like easy in. But if we move yeah. to forty k for a second, Slanesh there is different because Slanesh is not only the weakest of the Chaos Gods, I think. But crucially, the youngest. 
Because Slanesh, this is very long, long-winded and confusing, but basically the previous ascendant empire in the galaxy, the Eldar, who are essentially space elves, became so decadent and wrapped up in their own pleasure and satisfaction that because they were a, such a psychically active race, they essentially birthed Slanesh mm. through the excess of their race, which is one, really fucking metal. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, and Slanesh's birth screen ripped apart the fabric, fabric of reality, creating the Eye of Terror. Of course, yeah. Because why not? Yeah, what a, what a, what a great birth story that is to tell the grandchildren. But if we look at it that way, I think there is there is an, an, an alignment, perhaps, between Slanesh and these older style races who are few in number, but sort of wrapped up in their own superiority, which is definitely what we see with elves. Yeah. Yeah, well, the thing that's always struck me with Warhammer Fantasy when we talk of and obviously take this with with uh, the caveat that I very much focus on, on elves in particular and anything else is... You're an elf fanboy. We understand. It's fine. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> no shame. Um, but in Warhammer Fantasy, I feel, I feel anytime chaos... You know, there's chaos invasions and, and, and mm-hmm. whatnot, and they always manifest in the form of just hordes and hordes of demons. Um, yeah. And... The, the sort of effect of the chaos gods and the influences of them on the people is it's never that obvious uh certainly not on the way that if you read for example the horus heresy series in 40k mm-hmm. you know it, what we really see like obviously there's demons and stuff but what we really see is the the effect that the chaos gods have on individual primarchs and and their followers so i, I feel there's there's a difference in the way that they influence the universes they're in to me anyway i mean i could be entirely wrong about this (laughs) no i see what you're saying i see what you're saying i'm trying to think of counterpoints but i think i think it's slightly different because so often in the black library books set in the warhammer fantasy universe our point of view is someone who's fighting against chaos yeah yeah, right. So we true. never get the perspective of the chaos lord that Gotrak slays in the siege of Prague, right? But he was at one point a man. Yeah, and but what was his um, what was his shtick? Was he? He was Zin- I think he was Zinchian. Yeah, because I feel this is the sort of. And this I guess is the just... thing that I don't really know in the Warhammer universe is: do you have, do you have like a pre-greater demon baddie who's who's just you know he's like a Nurglite on his way to becoming a demon? You do in Sigmar's origin story. Mm. There's, I'm not going to be able to remember his name. So Sigmar. In, I think, the first of his three novels from the time of Legends has a lover called Ravenna. And she has a 
brother who I who my, my brain is telling me is called Garion, and I'm sure that's not right. But anyway. His name's Ring of Faint Bell, but they also just sound. So Ravenna, I'm fairly sure. Fantasy ish. Ravenna, I'm fairly sure, is right. Garion, I'm fairly sure he's not called Garion because Garion is the name of Bard's ancestor in The Hobbit. Um, anyway, so Ravenna's brother catches Sigmar and Ravenna together um, in flagrante, as it were, and just loses his shit. Uh, and Sigmar beats him, but doesn't kill him because Sigmar, yay, is awesome. Yeah, everyone praise Sigmar. Everyone praise Sigmar. But this guy then goes on to become a demon prince of Slanesh? Yes, Slanesh. All right, okay, okay. So there are some stories. So you're probably right, it's just a matter of perspective. I think it's a matter of perspective. And we also, the other thing we don't have in Warhammer Fantasy that we do have in, as you specifically called it, Horus Heresy, is these larger than life characters that would be such coups for the Chaos Gods to corrupt and who are so easily capable of corruption. I think we need to do an episode on the causes of the Horus heresy, because I think it's interesting. Yeah, Primarchs are shit is the, the spoiler. Primarchs are shit is the spoiler <laughs> for that one. Should have made them should Although have made it's them not women. their fault, shall we say. It's also not their fault. But there aren't there aren't like twenty characters like that in Warhammer Fantasy where you go, yes, those are the guys that the Chaos Gods should should corrupt. Yeah. You're you're right, because I think the main stories in, in in fantasy are, you know, if you look at else, for example, you've got Tyrion and Teclis versus Malekith, you know, so that's the people sort of are smaller. Battle. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, Even and when Tyrion it comes to Teclis, Chaos, Malekith, they... they're smaller than, you know, Angron or Russ or the Lion or possibly, yeah, Conrad. Because I think, you know, if, if you're going to scale up what is essentially the Warhammer Fantasy universe to you know, billions of planets almost. Yeah. You got to up the characters as well. Like there's no other way of, of doing that. Yeah. I think Um, that's right. Quite, quite right. But Um, you are, you are, you are right. Demon princes in, because that, that, that is the end state of a set of a a human who falls to chaos is well, probably chaos spawn, but otherwise demon prince. Uh, They are, Rarer, I think, in Warhammer Fantasy, yeah, than they and, are and of in course, forty k. Yeah, and of course, what we have in fantasy, really, I think it's not unfair to say that if people talk about fantasy and chaos, your mind will probably jump to Archeon. Yes, who is a very interesting character because he, you mentioned briefly, like he's, he's a, sort of the chosen one. Um. Yeah, Archeon's and really he's a focal for a point, number right? of reasons. Yeah, yes, I think absolutely. he's the focal point of chaos, and this is where I think we should briefly discuss the. We we mentioned the potential fifth god of chaos um, earlier, and it's a probably time we start talking about this really bizarre concept of chaos undivided. Yeah, and this is something that you really struggle with, isn't it? As a concept, chaos undivided, fundamentally, yes, because I, I don't. 
I don't get it in the context of the four Chaos Gods, right? Because if we assume that there are four, uh, I, I, by that I yeah. mean there's not a fifth. Um, or a sixth or a seventh. Yeah, and what we know about them is obviously they all love Chaos and they, they probably want to see the end of the worlds or the universe in, in one way or another and everything just goes to the warp or just gets disintegrated, etc. But they're... They're never really spoken about in terms of being particularly unified, right? It's not like Korn, Zinch, Nurgle, and Nesh would go to the pub to have a few beers, I think. No, um, no that's true. And so the concept of Chaos Undivided, where you sort of marry those four very separate characters with their own agendas together, is just always seemed very strange to me. No, that makes sense. I think there's, there's two ways of looking at it, and it depends on the character in question. Yeah, quite. So, on the one hand, you have Archaon and Horus, right? And they are sort of occupy this chosen one position where no one chaos god is able to seduce them away from the other three. Like, no one chaos god can win Archaon's undivided loyalty, right? But the four of them recognize that they need to have him. And so they all throw their weight behind him. I think. So so that's key, right? So he does have the blessing backing curse of the four gods. He's not just he, he some does. other th- form of chaos. <laughs> I think in I th- I think so. I think in Age of Sigmar he's slightly different. And I'm no wishing I had gone to my source book. <laughs> but I think in Age of Sigmar, essentially, he is attempting to ascend and become a fifth Chaos God, and essentially become undivided incarnate, and then overthrow the other four, because his yeah. big thing is he hates all forms of deity. Well, that, yeah, was what was behind, that was what was behind the end times, right? That was an, an attempt to destroy the world, kill everyone in it. And in so doing, rob the chaos gods of the emotions that give them power. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Looking Uh-oh. at you, uh, Big E. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you mean the fifth chaos god? Uh, well, maybe the only true chaos god, but... Um, Archaon, yes. Archaon. But the, the really, really complicating thing, I think, isn't Archaon... It's one of his forebears in the position of ever chosen. Mm. Belacor—that's the word. Yeah, ever chosen. Yeah, Belacor. Yes, the you know the one who takes it in terms of names and spellings of names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, any name with an apostrophe in is glorious. You have to, you have to say it. Like it's a glorious. It's, name. I I read my fantasy when I was a child. <laughs> Names have apostrophes in them. Spelling be damned. I wonder what letter... Never. Um, Belacor, yeah. So where Belacor is really confusing is that he appears to be a either a demon prince, which implies he's an ascended human, or greater demon, mm. which implies he's, he's not, of Chaos Undivided. Mm, yeah. And that's just bizarre. But now remember, he he also exists in 40k, does he not? I think he does, yeah, but I don't yeah, know something, anything about him in 40k. Like, he, 
I think he's some sort of undivided greater demon, but I mean, don't quote me on that. I mean, don't quote me on anything in the show. You should know <laughs> that by now. <laughs> but I mean, so, so 40k is almost easier to deal with these things in because in 40k you have a, at least one, probably two ascended superhumans through chaos, basically. Right. Yeah, and of course, as you mentioned in 40K... Sorry, th- through specifically through Chaos Undivided. Yeah, yeah. But but also, as you said before, the, the, the thing about 40K is that Slanesh didn't exist at one point and then was created. So so it implies that you can create new Chaos gods almost, and it's it's um it's a really weird concept. Hmm. But I so I have read somewhere, I don't know if this is true, but I've read that the na- because the warp is timeless, right? So the warp is the realm of chaos for 40k. Um, it's the parallel dimension through which spaceships travel, which is also the home of the chaos gods. But the warp is timeless. Mm. Right. So the theory goes that the creation of Slanesh, although that happened in our universe at a specific point in time mm. because yeah. of the timeless nature of the war the moment slanesh was created slanesh had always existed but because also, you can't create something yeah, in a timeless but, if, but place. if you follow that logic through then he's also never existed so yeah i know, I know. Really, that's a really difficult thing to to argue but i think one way of thinking about it for me is that what it almost implies is that there is a <laughs> a power of chaos or power in the war. Mm-hmm. And Korn, Zinch, Nurgle, and Slanesh are just facets of that power that was somehow a given form, you know, be it through the Eldar, uh, you know, as you say, essentially raving a bit too hard on, on their own Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, and so this this character of Slanesh pops into the universe that, that other people can relate to. Um, but they're all just derived from a greater power, which could be the power that is chaos undivided. Sure, I think there's, I think there's certainly something to that. The, the problem with that theory is arguably that then you might say undivided is stronger than at least any one of the four on their own. I think that's definitely true, but I mean, we know that Corn is stronger than any of the other four on his own. But the point is, yeah, they, strong, strong the other the right word, but the the other four, the other three will come together essentially if Corrin is looking too strong because the problem becomes if Corrin takes Zinch out then Nurgle and Sinesh are fucked kind of thing yeah yeah but I don't know I don't know it's all very yeah. strange it, it is all very strange and Archeon is a very he's a very very interesting character uh, more so than than Horus in many ways I think because you know his, his background is one of nothing you know he wasn't anything special I don't think that's quite true. Ah. All right, go on. Why, why is he special? So Archeon heard, heard a prophecy when he was a Templar of Sigmar that he was destined to destroy the world. Yeah, but I mean, how many people in Warhammer Fantasy have heard a prophecy? Come on now. And then go on to actually... No, but that's the, the thing. About that, but he, was, he then goes on to destroy yeah, no, the but world. But that's why he's really cool because he sort of 
he isn't necessarily anything special. He hears a prophecy and he goes on a, on a bender that ends of the world, quite literally. Whereas Horus is a Primarch, is is some sort sure. of amazing, supposedly. I mean, we know they're not. We know they're shit. But he's some sort of special being who right. then fails to take out the world. <laughs> Arcan would bitch slap Horus so hard that the end times would probably happen all over again. So I think what's... But I th- potentially. I think what is interesting when you compare the two of them, is that Archeon appears to have so much more free will than Horus. By the time you get to the Siege of Terra, right, in the Horus heresy, Horus appears to be nothing more than a conduit for, as you put it, the raw energy of Chaos Undivided. Yeah. We never get that sense with with Archeon that he's essentially being manipulated like a puppet. Uh, Yeah. Which I think you definitely do with Horus. Uh, Horus is 100% a slave, as are arguably his fallen brothers designed to just take out the Emperor of Man. Mm, You could argue that they succeed at that. You you could, yeah. Uh, Probably not enough to to warrant massive celebrations, but yeah, they definitely... No, they they lock him in the chair. Yeah, exactly. They they did something. Um, Whereas Archeon just, you know... It's the classic story of, oh god, I think we've created something too big. Uh, Does anyone know how to stop this thing we built? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Corn's just there in the corner thinking, I'll, I'll leave him to you guys, you know? <laughs> just points at Zinch, this is your problem. <laughs> exactly, you deal with this. Um, so Archeon, Archeon's a real badass. Yeah, but anyway, we, we've talked about the four, four big, the four, four yeah. gods of chaos and undivided this this really quirky concept which we may expand on in future i think it's, it still confuses me and i'm sure we could turn this into some quasi philosophical debate <laughs> on, on on what i don't really know but on something sure we could um, if we tried hard enough but there's more to talk about there is more to talk about i think there is a few more names we could throw into the ring of being ostensibly chaos ish chaos adjacent gods <laughs> I think that's definitely true. There's two who immediately spring to mind. Maybe maybe before we, we go into that, we should say we're both aware of the existence of is it Malice or Molek, depending on yeah, which yeah. version you've, you've read. And I think there is an episode coming about Malice and why mm. the Emperor is just Malice. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just came out and said it. Jesus. But, uh, Careful, that sort of heresy. <laughs> but we're just going to park that one for now in, in favour of talking can about hear you. Anyway. <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> he can't even walk. Um, exactly. So yeah, we'll, we'll park Malice and... Uh, what was it? Mol- Molek? Molek. Yeah. I th- I'm not sure. It's, it's the same entity. This is the car crash that is the Black Library sometimes in Games Workshop where they, they yeah. just come up with different versions because it's multiple different authors and they but yeah, try no, to retcon it somehow. We're, we're both aware of the sort of, if you like, canon fifth chaos god who is now no longer canon. Uh, but we're going to part that in favour of talking about two other people, at least. Indeed. So for, first one here I have is Hashot. Yes. Uh, who is a bull god and the god of the Chaos Dwarves. No, I think it's in the name. Right? They're the Chaos Dwarves. They worship Hashet. I reckon he's a Chaos God. Yeah, but they're dwarves. Ultimately, who the fuck even is it? And why should I care? You know? 
<laughs> you know, it's just like, it sounds like a dwarf kind of problem. It does sound like a dwarf kind of problem. Except they made the black orcs, which was probably a bad idea for everyone. Well, it keeps everyone on their toes, you know, keeps everyone in shape, athletic. <laughs> Particularly <laughs> them. I, I think the only the only thing really we can interesting thing we can say about Hasha is he might be an aspect of corn. You mean right, a, so, a half like a half pint version of corn? Yeah, essentially, like a but knockoff like, version of corn. Probably um, still gigantic, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but no, if, if we think, you know, the the complicating thing is that he appears to give his priesthood magic of some form, which obviously is an athletic. Corn, but yeah, and Corn also makes demons, so he can't get too. But this is why it's interesting because <laughs> the, the the dwarfs, of course, aren't exactly um, particularly tuned to magic. Is not in the same way as the other races. No, they their no. magic expresses itself through runes. Exactly. So you might imagine that for a chaos god to get to them, they'll have to think outside the box, which which could be what Hashit is ultimately. Yes. Not not sure what that looks like in practice, but that's just what I'm going with. We do know that giving dwarves access to magic in the in the chaos dwarves at least is a really bad thing because ultimately <laughs> they turn to stone. Yeah, uh, I mean, they all they all fall victim to some sort of petrification curse, which is quite funny. Yeah. So who's who's the second? And no, sorry, just okay. I just remembered something. Um, if we go back to the time of legends and the sundering, right? Ancient rune lords used to turn to stone. Hmm. Which implies that is interesting. And we also know that ancient rune lords were far more magically powerful than rune lords, quote unquote, today. <laughs> yes. So today. You know, <laughs> in the end times yeah, or just pre-end times so I wonder if there's something to be said for that the curse of stone or whatever it is isn't a hashat specific thing it's just a magic thing it's just, it's just a what happens if you push too much magic through a dwarf body which the dwarves yes. of today or the dwarves of the modern Warhammer fantasy have sort of evolved to not be able to do. Because all yeah, the ones who could have got turned to stone rather than uh, having dwarf babies. The the, the problem when I say problem, the, the the weird thing about magic in the Warhammer Fantasy universe is that it's it, it seems to be fundamentally in, intertwined with chaos somehow. Yes. To the point where yeah, I'm sure you could even argue that it is some form of chaos energy. Uh, which then in the end times becomes a, a complete mess of personas that, mm. yeah. <laughs> the less Good writing in the end terms. times, isn't it? <laughs> it it's, re- it's very strange, but magic is, there's, there's a chaos element to it. Oh, well, no, absolutely, because magic, when, when, when using magic, people are tapping into the winds that blow out of the chaos gates. Yeah, and you've got to insulate your mind to that and perhaps the dwarven solution for that was you know if you can't handle it you just turn to stone <laughs> anyway hey, that's Hashat the other one uh, who obviously springs to mind is the great horned rat yeah I, I, I've read up on the great horned rat I mean he sounds really cool 
all I'll say is that it's a shame he's got no followers, really. I feel the Warhammer universe could use some some sort of race that would worship a great horned rat. That seems like an obvious fantasy trope right there. But failing I mean, that, what, I think... What would, yeah. what would that even look like? What would that even look like? I don't, I don't really... I mean, <laughs> I, I suppose you could envisage rat men, but we got in trouble for saying something stupid like that before, didn't we? Rodents of unusual size. Yeah. I don't think they exist. But I mean, he is a great horned rat. Uh, I'm sure that's some metaphor for something, but... He's, he's meant to be quite pestilent as well. I, I, again, I wonder if he's just an aspect of, of Nurgle rather than an entity in his own right. Or maybe he was an aspect of Nurgle who got so much love from the fandom for what he could have been the god of if the race had ever existed, that yeah. he sort of coalesced into a separate but connected chaos god. Yeah, you know, if if, if Hashid is like a half... A half corn, maybe the great horned rat is some sort of half Nurgle type thing. Mm. Yeah, and I'm sort right. of Nurgle Zinchian hybrid. Yeah, but that, I mean that would be cool on the tabletop, right? Some some gigantic rat with horns just yeah. going nuts. Um, alas, oh, well, no such thing. Um, GW, if you're listening, maybe some food for thought here. <laughs> oh, we're going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> um. So no, I think those those are two very obvious examples. Um, one that I was going to throw into the mix. Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, uh, you can my, say it. My old buddy Kane. Kayla Mensha Kane. I mean, so on the one hand, he's called the Bloody Handed. Yeah, he's a god of murder, and the avatar in forty k looks like a pretty angry thing. And we know that the Eldar are already have history with Chaos Gods. See, Slanesh. <laughs> but on the other... <laughs> I don't know. This, this, is, this is where we quite, run into a problem, right? Yeah, it doesn't quite sit right, and I can't quite work out why. No, we run into a problem, because I think when we talk about um, the, sort of the, the more mortal pantheons... Mm-hmm. Cain just belongs to the Elven Pantheon, and I'm sure he's got different aspects in other uh, religious circles. But it it, it is... Uh, I had to really say this. We, we kind of covered this in our history episode, right? The, these, these gods aren't... They are real in many ways. Certainly the old ones are real. And these are interpretations of the old ones, perhaps. And and Cain, if he is indeed real, he is the bloody-handed. He is an absolute maniac. He's an avatar of destruction. But presumably... Responsible for the elven end times. Yeah, but perhaps that's a, that's a sort of... Destruction by design, as opposed to the chaos version of... Destruction for destruction's sake, if that makes any sense. It's so weird, though, when you dive into what the mortal gods are... The gods of mortals in the chaos uh, in the Warhammer universe, mm. because I don't think it's right to say that any war god is Cain uh, is Corn. Sorry, uh, like you've got someone like Mermidia, for example, who's the sort of human goddess of, but she's essentially Minerva Athena. Yeah. 
But there's never any indication that she is also just an aspect of of corn. But like, what what is she? Because her followers can pray. This is a, there's, there's so much to unpick here. Her followers can pray to her and receive blessings. But so she's obviously real for a given value of real. Mm. But if she's real for a given value of real, why hasn't Corin just gone over and squished her? Ah, but you see, this is this is where we might have to consider something a little weird. Uh oh. <laughs> I know. I'm already dreading next week now. Um if if we borrow a concept that we discussed previously, and a concept that I think applies to real life, you know, religions fall in and out of favor. Uh, yeah. And, and with them, you might argue the strength of the gods associated with a particular religion um, waxes and wanes. Okay. So perhaps the reason Korn is said to be the most powerful of all the chaos gods is because p- mortals elves, men, whatever, do believe in gods of war. And perhaps all they're actually believing in is corn. They may not Maybe. associate it with corn. They'll call it Namidia or Cain or whatever. Um, but because of that belief, they are effectively strengthening corn. Now, I don't know how that would then work in terms of receiving Namidia's blessing. Maybe that's corn playing some unbelievable big brain long-term game. But... I don't know. I think that that's an mm. idea that potentially has legs. Okay, that has legs right up until you come to Sigmar. Ah, Sigmar's just a guy. Except he's sort of not. Because... He's just a guy. Where it really falls down is the other name that you wrote down, I think. <laughs> Nagash. No, Ranald. Oh, Ranald. Well, Ranald's by your metric, isn't Ranald just Zinch? Exactly, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if the maths would add up to Corn being stronger, but I, I wonder if these are just tamer or, interpretations of chaos gods. I, I see. I think the the rationale for Corn being stronger is is simpler. It's just everyone in the Warhammer units is is at, is at war all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, Corn just, just yeah. getting stronger on the the hate that that possibly, burns out of that possibly. Right, Sigmar and and Nagash. You've mentioned so, them both now, I think. So, the reason I wrote Sigmar, I don't, I'm not quite sure why I wrote Nagash, because Nagash doesn't ascend to some sort of godhead until the end times uh, by eating other gods. Yeah, but he's just a badass, though. Come on, let's he's go. Just, yeah, true. Uh, but no, the, the complicating factor with Sigmar, and again, we a little bit have to draw on the end times here, but I've said it before and I'll say it again, the end times is a good idea, badly executed. The problem with Sigmar is he was just a guy, and then he died, as guys are meant are, are want to do, and became worshipped as a god, and then started acting like a god, mm-hmm. and in the end times is reincarnated into the body of Carfranz, mm-hmm. right? Because he's a god. So, so we know that some people can become gods. Ah. Mm-hmm. You see what Sigmar's done there, actually. Uh-oh. You know, he's died for his people. And then he just happened to be in the body of someone who picked up a big old hammer who was worthy. No. And so he became... Oh. 
Carl Hell Franz yeah. actually Booyah. became Thor. Thor. Thor is in the fantasy universe. Here we go. Carl <laughs> Franz didn't become the Sigmar. He became Thor. Just <laughs> it would explain the lightning. The lightning and the fact he's just got a big old hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Garmaraz doesn't look quite as silly as Mjolnir does. No, but you know they they couldn't just rip off Norse mythology. Come on now. No, I suppose not. So Sig- Sigmar's Thor, but no, I, I get your point that, that yeah, yeah, he is he's is super strong. But this is where it gets all really complicated in a world where magic is just a thing, you know. Yeah, magic is not a simplifying force. I mean, you've mentioned Nagash, like he he eats gods and therefore becomes stronger. Like that's 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 pretty messed up, you know. <laughs> yeah. He consumes the old gods of Nehekara, and in doing so, becomes even more powerful than he was sort of before he did that. And before he did that, he was probably the most powerful sorcerer to have ever lived. Yeah. Or one of the top three. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's quite something, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite something. Right, then our, our final two names... Which confused me, frankly, because I thought they were just one big ugly fuck. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get into so much more trouble now. Go on, say it. Uh, no, no, I, you should say it. Gork and or Mork. These are the green skin gods, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Are, are they two separate things? They always yes. struck me as just the same thing. They. So now we have to draw on, uh, I think, Age of Sigmar lore. To say that at one point they were one thing and then they got split into two things. At one point, I think they were Gorka Morka. Yeah, exactly. It was a single entity and then I think Sigmar punched them really hard and they became two things. <laughs> okay, that's actually brilliant. I'll, I'll, I, I, th- I think that's what happened. <laughs> that's, that's also such an orc thing. Is like, all right, we can respect that. They took it. You know, they took yeah, they, t- they took the punch. <laughs> uh, Quite literally split them in two, but okay, they took the punch. I don't... I... They're just silly. They're, they're just uh, adorably silly, like so much of the, the orc lore. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah, that's, that's sort of what you want from them, isn't it, really? And obviously orcs in... Yeah, orcs in 40k are even more fun than orcs in, in fantasy. Uh, you, so yeah. or, orcs in 40k have a sort of latent psychic energy... Mm. that means that things happen because they believe they happen. So a human cannot make an orc gun fire, for example, because it's not mechanically sound. Like yeah. It just doesn't work. But to an orc, take a barrel, take some uh, ammunition, take a trigger, tie all that together, you've made a gun. It's yeah. brilliant. It's amazing. Absolutely brilliant. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Like it, that's that's so creative, and and their models really reflect it as well. Mm. Uh, as you say, it literally just looks like someone's tied a few things yeah. together with some string, and somehow that's like some mega nuke. You know, it's well, it's it's absolutely incredible. Got to rate the orcs. But the, the the quite scary thing about orcs is so you know titans. In for and I've just seen that this episode has been going on for quite considerably more than an hour, so we do need to wrap up. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, but orcs, right? Titans, right? The, the 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 god machines of the Adaptus Mechanicus. These, you know, thirty meter tall robot things. When an orc mech boy first saw a titan, he thought it was the emperor. 
Because of course <laughs> you would. That's not the best bit. He thought, oh crap, the Umis have brought their god to this fight. Hold on. If I made a big enough body, maybe Gork or Mork would join the fight? <laughs> Which is hilarious until you remember that if an orc believes something hard enough and there's enough orcs around him, that thing becomes true. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we're not a million miles away from a, an orc mech boy in the 40k universe creating a gargant in en- with enough orcs around him who believe in it that actually manifests one of Gork or Mork. Yeah, that'll be hilarious when that happens. Yeah, that's quite concerning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the orcs, the orcs are hilarious. Uh, but, but also, as you say, really scary. I mean, this is why even Primarchs and the Emperor himself get into real trouble when orcs show up, because they're, they're just yeah pains yeah. to deal with. They're really, they're really tough. Around. Yeah. I mean, and so I think would you and I be, you know, if we just believed hard enough that we're not going to <laughs> die if corn hits us in the face, you know, and it doesn't happen, then great. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think both of us would probably just hey, be wiped, I've, you know, horrible. I've been believe I've been believing that for years, and I'm still here, so it obviously works. <laughs> well, that's not a challenge to corn. I don't know what is. I'm really calling out some big names in this episode. <laughs> and on that on that bombshell, in what might be our very last episode, because Sean's <laughs> going to die a horrible death, uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know, rate the podcast, and leave us a comment, or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com, tweet us at zeroexpertise, or check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com, or come join us on our new Discord server. If you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. If you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. In our next episode, we're very excited to announce that we're hopefully going to be joined by the first ever Expertise is Overrated guest. Side note, we need a better name than that. We really do. But no, we're going to be joined by Ellie, who will be discussing the Ministry of Magic and why it's an insurgency. Join us then for more nonsense.